I guess give this thing a title, call it enjoying a new life or enjoying the new life. When Christ died on the cross, rose from the grave, he made it possible for all of us to enjoy a new life in him. Some people enter into a new life with God through becoming, not some people, everybody enters into a new life through being born again. But many of them never know how to enjoy it. You know, they don't know what the word says. All they know is that they receive salvation. Some of them, they're not enjoying the good life because they're allowing the devil to control their mind and their thoughts. That's why the Bible says, renew your mind with the word. You got to renew yourself. And then sometimes it's because people are listening to the wrong advice and the wrong people. But God wants us to enjoy the life that we have in Christ. Now I'm going to read John 10, 10. Everybody knows it, but I'm going to read from the amplified classic version. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that they may have and enjoy and have it in abundance to the full, to the overflowing. Now this word abundance here, according to one Bible scholar says, the Greek phrase used for having it more abundantly means to have a superabundance, to be a follower of Jesus, to know who he is, what he means, and is to have a superabundant life. I believe this verse clearly states to enjoy the new life without the sin of the past because of the blood of Jesus. Enjoy the new life through having peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding. Enjoy a new life knowing that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Enjoy a new life having realized that you are now a new person. You are no longer the person that used to be. You are a new person in Christ. Enjoy the new life having all, all, all of the benefits that the Word of God says belong to us through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. James Kaufman in Kaufman Commentary says, the Christian life is the happy life, free, abundant, and overflowing, adventurous, exciting beyond any other kind of existence. I like that. It is the Christian life. It's a happy life. Free, abundant, overflowing, adventurous, exciting beyond any other kind of existence. 
Now that, that's something we should get a hold of. I want you, did you look at all those words there that are describing a life with Christ? It's not a mundane, it's not a mundane life. It's not just six or seven. It's not just whatever will be, will be. It's an adventure to live for God. It's an adventure to follow him. Now, I realize that a lot of people got all kinds of thoughts about this. And some people think that if you live in the life God wants you to live, you got to be some somber and never smile. Just be quiet, sit there. And then other people go to another extreme on the other side and think you ought to live on barely get a wrong street right next to Grumble Alley. And then there's another group that say, well, praise the Lord. Just get to get through life the best we can. By and by, it'll all be better. Someday, somewhere. No, the truth is Jesus provided a new life for us. Everybody, somebody say, when we all get to heaven, yeah, praise God, we're going to have a great time. But let me tell you what, we can have a good life right here, right now, while we're waiting to go to the next life. See, we, he wants us to live a good life here while we're waiting to go to a really abundant life. Hello. You know, it's time that we need to explore the good life and really think about it. People talk about it. They talk about having life more abundantly, but have they ever explored it? Have they ever delved into it? Malachi 4.2 says, but you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like a stalled calves. The good news translation reads it like this. But for you who obey my, obey me, my saving power will rise on you like the sun and bring healing like the sun rays. You will be as free and happy as calves let out of the stall. Now here Malachi is talking about the time when Christ comes up out of the grave to a new life. See, when he arose from that grave, he opened up a whole new life for me and you. See, we can get up out of that grave and live the life that God has for us to, to live. See, you know, it's exciting when you're young or maybe a young youngster maybe even teenager, whenever something's going to happen, somebody, some people are coming to visit or you going somewhere and you're really thrilled about it when that day finally comes and, did you, and you enjoy that day. But now let me tell you what, Jesus has risen from that grave. I think we sang a song, something about get up out of that grave. Well, he got up out of that grave. 
And the long dark, and because he got up out of that grave, the long dark night of sickness, poverty, sin, bondage is over for you and for all of us. He brought new possibilities. He brought a new situation. He brought new standing. He brought new blessings. He gave us new privileges and benefits. You know, we have to know about this new life and in, in, in order to enjoy this new life. We have to know the redemptive realities in order to join and enjoy those things. Now look at Malachi. Let's go back. And I want to read it. The good news translation says, you will be as free and happy as calves that are the stall. Now, some people don't understand this, but growing up in Texas and going there, many times when a horse is born, colt is born, or a calf is born, they're kept up in the up in a stall until it's time for them to go out to pasture. And then you open it up so they can go out. Many times, uh, some of them are afraid to go out and you have to, the, the, you have to encourage them to get out. Others run out immediately into the pasture and they begin to run and jump and they explore the whole pasture and find out everything that's going on out there. When Jesus arose from the grave, he opened the gate for us to enter that new life. So I got a little book out there. I preached this sermon. I don't think I've ever preached it, but once or twice. It's called The Prison Doors Open. What are you do still doing inside? That's sort of like one of these, these calves or, or a colt. When they, some of them, uh, they don't want to go out in the pasture. But let me tell you what, Jesus arose from the grave and he opened up a brand new life for you. Some Christians are like that. They, the gate's open, but they don't want to go out there. Some have a hard time believe, believing that God has all of this for them. Others are fearful about what might happen out there. They've never been there before. That's why we live by faith in this new life. Some people say, oh, well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm unworthy. I don't deserve all of this. I, I just thank God that, that I, I got saved. But listen to me, let me tell you why. How many of you have ever had to qualify for something? Yeah. You know, well, Jesus qualified you when he born you, when you become born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you were qualified to receive every promise in the book. We used to sing a song, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. All the blessings of his love divine. All the blessings, what? Of his love divine. Of his love divine. See, she knows all the songs. I don't. I just know, I just know one part. But you see, you see, we need to go out and get involved. In, 
getting involved in the Bible and understand who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ is like that calf being released out of the stall. You know, it's a new day. It's a new life. It's waiting on you. Some of say, well, I'm waiting on God. No, you're not waiting on God. God's waiting on you to step out and go out and enjoy all. A-L-L, all. What does all really mean? Everything. Well, what's everything mean? All. Isn't it funny? Sometimes our words, <laughs> all includes everything that is in the pages of the word of God. Now, let's look at this. In Romans 6, 4, in the voice translation, therefore we were buried with him through the baptism and the death so that just as God the Father in all of his glory resurrected the anointing one, we too might walk confidently out of the grave into the new life. This verse indicates that as Christ died and rose again, we died to sin, we rose again to the new life. We were buried and what happened when he arose to the new life? He stepped out of the grave into the new life. He had been living a life on earth as, as the son of man. But when he, when he went to that cross, he died as the lamb of God. And when he walked out of that grave... He walked out of that grave as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Redeemer, the Savior that we all have and enjoy. And in the mind of God, when you were born again, you died, in your, you were dead in your trespass and sin. When you were born again, you were raised out of the grave. Get up out of the grave. Don't stay in the grave. You've been born again. By the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. When we received him as our savior, a new person was created. A new heart was given you. You say, because, well, see, we talk about the heart of a, a man, or the heart of a human, human being is the spirit. Your spirit was made new. You, became, you had a new spirit that was created in righteousness and holiness. Our lives were made new. The old things are gone according to 2 Corinthians 5, 17. And everything has become new. A new life has become yours. Man, that means when this new life, all shame is gone. All guilt is gone. All unworthiness is gone. All condemnation is gone. Rejection is gone. Separation from God is gone. Now you are his child and you have the right. The word of God says you have the right to come boldly into the kingdom of God. We need to renew our minds with all of these truths and begin to enjoy what God has given us. 
We need to meditate on who we are in Christ and forget about what we were before Christ. Why am I saying that? Because what you were before Christ doesn't exist anymore. That's gone. That life is gone. That's all behind you. You might as well wave goodbye to it and turn around and never, 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 never think about it again. It doesn't exist. Now, the enemy will try to come to your mind and bring you a photo of it that he took, but it doesn't exist anymore. It's gone. Just like, you see, we can take a picture of a building, but that building is destroyed. It doesn't exist anymore. The picture is there, but it's not real because that doesn't exist anymore. The devil wants to take a picture of your last life and he wants to bring it to you and say, hey, this is who you are. And you say, no, that doesn't exist anymore. It's the same thing. How many understand what I'm saying to you? Let me tell you something. It's time to get up out of the grave. Turn your back on all of that mess and realize that you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Put off all the old thoughts and all the old desires. Stop thinking about the way it used to be and start thinking about the thoughts of God. Stop thinking about rejection. Instead, begin to think thoughts of righteousness. Refuse to even let it in your mind that you are not a child of God. You've been accepted as a child of God. Remember, think the thoughts of God. Think what God says. Do what God says and enjoy what God says you can enjoy. It's yours. Smith Wigglesworth said this, God dwells in you, but you cannot have this divine power until you live and walk in the Holy Ghost until the power of the new life is greater than the old life. Hello. Paul describes this as a process. Renewing the mind as putting off the old man and putting on the new man. So evidently, if we read the scripture here, we're going to read it in a minute, we have something to do with this. The man on the inside is recreated immediately to change the thinking and the way the man on the outside lives has, is a process of taking off and putting on. Look at this, Ephesians 4.20. Ephesians 4.20. Ephesians 4.20, I'll give you a chance to turn there. I'm watching people turn the leaves of their Bible. Some of them are scrolling on their device. 
Okay, look at this. Look at this. Look at this. But you have not so learned Christ. If you indeed have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, but be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and wholeness. Put off, put on. You know, I could, I don't have anything. If I had a cap, I could do it. But here's a bottle of water. Now, in order to enjoy that bottle of water, I have to take something off. I have to take this cap off. And I can enjoy the water. But now, I have to put the cap back on. So, see, take off, put on. Take off the old man. Take off all the things in your thinking that you used to think and begin to think the way God thinks. See, to put off the old man and put on the new man means we have to renew our minds with the truth of who we are in Christ. The in Christ realities is the most important thing you can get a hold of after being born again because everything hinges on who you are in Christ what you can do in Christ, what you can have in Christ. See, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. When you put on a new man, that's the way you think. Hello? When you put on a new man, you think on the things that are holy, and righteous, and good. Come on now. Don't sit out on me now. I'm preaching really good. If you're going to enjoy putting on this new life, you have to control this right here, your mind. The devil can't get to your spirit, so he comes to your mind with all kinds of situations, all kinds of things that are not right or true. He'll cause you to hear somebody on the TV or saying this or that or the other. This is because they're, say that they're elder so-and-so or apostle so-and-so or whatever. It doesn't make it so just because they said it. My dad used to say all the time, anybody that says anything that's not in line with this word Forget about it. Now, I'll go a little further. The apostle Paul, in his writings, told one of his churches, if anybody comes teaching anything other than what I have taught you, count it a curse. Didn't he say that? You know, I have people come and say, well, brother so-and-so said this. I said, and, and people get upset at me, but I, I'm old enough now. I, it don't make no difference. 
I say, I don't care who said it. That's not in line with the word of God. You see, once you get your mind renewed and you put on this new man, you immediately recognize when it's not in line with the word of God. No matter it, no matter they're quoting scripture, what they've done, they have taken scripture out of context to make it say what they want it to say. Now I'm going to go where angels might fear to tread, but I'm going there anyway. I am sick and tired of these people that are taking scripture and making it about giving an offering. When if you'll read the context of the scripture, it has nothing to do with giving an offering. Come on now. Hey, this is my church. I can say what I want to up here. But I'm going to try to lead you so that somebody, just because they got a name, can lead you off track. I don't know why some people take everything and it has to do with finances. Sometimes the scripture that they're talking about has to do with love. Sometimes it has to do with something else. And then, you know, a lot of it is, oh, you're not supposed to owe anybody anything. Well, let me ask you a question. If you've borrowed something from somebody and they say you owe it to them, then uh, is it wrong for somebody to loan money? The Bible says that he is going to make Israel the one, instead of the borrower, they'd be the loaner. They take one scripture and they say, don't owe no man anything. Read the whole chapter. It's saying you don't owe any man anything except love. It's exactly what, read the scripture. Don't sit there and shut, sit there and look at me like that. Read it. You have to take the word of God in context. You can't just take one scripture out and make it say what you want it to say or believe the way you want it to believe. Man, I guess I'm, but if you're going to live this good life, you got to know what the Bible says and live in line with the word of God. You know, Bible says that I believe it, that settles it. I don't care. Bible says I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. The Bible says to think on these things because I'm in Christ. The Bible says that my faith will work if I have love. Now, it doesn't mean that you're a doormat for somebody. Go study, go study the context there. I'm going to go on before I get in trouble. You've got to take control of your thought life. You know, I'm going to do a story here. Years ago, there was a man in Europe. He wanted to come to America and he worked hard, saved every penny he could. Finally, he got enough money to purchase a ticket on the ship. And this was a long time ago where it took 
two or three weeks to get across. You know, it wasn't in our day. Probably in the sailing ship days. I don't know. He brought a suitcase filled with cheese and crackers so they'd have something to eat on the trip. On the, on the ship, all the pastors went to the large dining room to eat. He would sit and eat his cheese and crackers. This went on day after day after day. He could smell the food from the dining room and thought, man, it'd be nice to enjoy that meal. He'd hear the pastors talking about how, how good the meal was. He wanted to join them, but he didn't have any extra money for food. Toward the end of the trip, another pastor said, listen, man, I've noticed that you're always eating those cheese and crackers at mealtime. Why don't you come into the banquet hall and eat with us? The traveler, this man, he, his face sort of flushed. He dropped his head and in embarrassment. He said, I only have enough money to buy the ticket. I don't have any extra money to buy meals. The other pastor raised his eyebrows in surprise and said, Man, didn't you realize the meals are included in the price of the ticket? Your mail, meals have already been paid for. This story reminds me of many Christians who don't realize Jesus paid the price on Calvary when they accepted salvation. All of the other benefits come with it. So go on in the dining room and fill up. The moment you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you had the right to all the redemptive realities. You see, God's word is a table spread out full of all these wonderful promises that you can partake of. We used to sing an old song. Some of y'all might remember it. Uh, well, in our denomination anyway, Pentecostal denomination, come and dine, the master called us, come and dine. Feast at Jesus' table all the time. Come and dine. The master calleth, come and dine. Anybody ever sung that song before? Hey, that's what we need to do. Get up out of the grave and come on into the dining room. <laughs> dining hall. And eat from the master's table. All of the benefits that belong to you. I want us to look at 2 Samuel 9. Now this ninth chapter of Samuel is only about 13 verses. I'm only going to read 11 through 13, but ahead of this, in the first verse of this ninth second, uh, Samuel 9, King David asked, is there anyone of Saul's household still alive? And they said, yes. One of Saul's servants is here. And he called for that servant to come and his name was Ziba. And Ziba told him, yes, Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, is still alive. David said, get him. I'm gonna paraphrase. And then here in verse 11, then, the, then Ziba said to the king, according to all that my Lord, the king has commanded, 
as the servant, so I will serve you also. As for Mephibosheth, the king said, he shall eat at my table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah, and all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants to Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem and ate continually at the king's table. Now, Mephibosheth's son, David restored all in that day, if you'll study, in that day and age when the new king come in, they, they confiscated everything from the old king, their property and everything. He restored all of the property that belonged to Jonathan because of the covenant he had with Jonathan. And he brought Mephibosheth, who was Jonathan's son, into the palace. And he, Jonathan's son was left there on the land. And Ziba, and you can read the whole story, the whole thing. Ziba and all of his family and servants were to work the land and take care of it and all of that. Why? Because David had a covenant with Jonathan. He brought, he restored everything that had been taken from Jonathan because he was of King Saul's household. And here I want you to notice something. We have been restored. God has brought us into his household through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all we can eat at the king's table. He said here that Mephibosheth would dwell in Jerusalem and ate at the king's table. We can dwell in the presence of the most high and eat from the table of God and enjoy the new life. All Mephibosheth had to have was the invitation and then to have the knowledge of what David was telling him and then the faith to go and do it. He did all three. That's a picture of us today. We've been invited. We have the knowledge. And by faith, we live the good life because God said it belonged to us. It's time to step out of the grave and step into the banquet hall and begin to eat of the good things that God said belongs to you because of who you are in Christ. Everybody stand up and say it with me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have everything that the Bible says are mine. I am a child of the King. I can dwell in the house of the Lord. I can enjoy all of the benefits at the King's table. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give him a big praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I see you up here. You must have something. You got something, Anthony? Well, you were talking about come and dine. The master calleth come and dine. So we're going to sing that. You see? Can you hear me? Hallelujah. Come and dine. The master calleth come and dine. 
they feast at Jesus' table all the time. You fed the multitude, turned the water into wine. To the hungry calleth now, come and die. Hallelujah. The invitation's there. get invitation. On the invitation, it gives you the knowledge of what the invitation is to. And then you go there by faith, believing that you will be received because you have an invitation. You have an invitation to come and dine. Hallelujah. Anybody get anything out of this this morning? I know it's something that you probably already know, but Maybe I approached it a little different from what you've heard it before. It's, I'm just talking about enjoying the redemptive realities in Christ. That's, that's my favorite subject to teach on because when people get a hold of the redemptive realities, their life changes forever. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Bow your heads for just a moment. I never like to do a message that I'll give an opportunity for somebody to find Jesus. You see, in order to enjoy everything that I'm talking about, you have to be born again by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and become a part of the family of God. Or maybe you're here today and you know what it is to serve the Lord, but you have turned your back and you've you've taken a detour and you need to come back and rededicate your life. Or you might be here this morning and say, I'm born of the Spirit, but I've never been filled with the Spirit according to what Acts chapter 2, verse number 4 says. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues. The Spirit gave them utterance. You might want to receive the Holy Spirit this morning. I'm going to wait just a moment. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you if you're in that category or any one of those three. But I can't do that if I don't know who you are. So would you, if, if that's you, you need Jesus, you need to rededicate, you need to receive the Holy Spirit, would you just raise your hand anywhere in this, anywhere in this building? Raise your hand anywhere so I can pray with you and pray for you and you won't leave here like you came in Jesus' name. There's a, a hand up back over here. Okay, thank you. Up in the balcony. Any up, anybody in the balcony? Anybody else? Anywhere. Anywhere. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If you raised your hand, I know there was one raised, may have been more, but if you raised your hand, should have raised your hand, I'm going down front right now. I want you to step out in the aisle and I want you to come down here so I can pray with you like I said I would. So come on right now. Come on right now. Raise your hand. Should have raised your hand. I'm waiting on you. Come on right now. Raise your hand. Should have raised your hand. Come on. Somebody over here, raise your hand. Come on, right now. Just come on. Right down here. I'm going to shake your hand. I want to pray with you. Come on, guys. Anybody else? If you're in the balcony and you want to come, ushers will help you get down here. Come on. Come on. God bless you. Hallelujah. Anybody else want to come? Come on. I'm going to wait on you right now. Come on. Come on. Come on. There 
come. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you, sweetie. Thank you. Come on now. This is your opportunity to change your life forever. You'll never be the same again. Come on. You that are here, look, I got three books in my hand. New birth, telling you about your new birth. Uh, wine tongues, telling you about the Holy Spirit. And in Him, what I was talking about, being in Christ. I'm going to hold these out. All right, you got them. You reached out. Y'all going to get them same books in just a moment. That's just a ta- something I do to show that you have to reach up and you have to take what God's give, offering you. So I want you to reach one hand toward heaven just like he reached out. I want you to hit with that hand. You're saying, okay, God, I'm reaching up to get what I came for. You reach your hands and I pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that every need in these lives will be met today. Salvation, rededication, blessed infilling of the Holy Spirit. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Put your hand down. Look at me. I want you to go to a place of prayer. See Greg and Christy right there. They're going to be in charge of it in the prayer room. You'll get those three books. And make, and they're going to pray with you and make sure you got what you came for. Would you just turn and follow them to that place of prayer right now? Just go right on right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Hallelujah. Thank God, thank God, thank God. That was just a little different way of approaching redemptive realities. But it is a new life. It is life changing. So I want you to walk in that. Praise the Lord. Staff, go to the door so we can shake hands with people as they go out. Connection team, find our first-time guests and take them back to the north lobby to receive a special gift. You first-time guests, if you're looking for a church home, why don't we say church? Welcome home. Just come and join us. We have a great time around here serving God together, enjoying this new life in Him. Hallelujah. Amen. Tonight, 6 o'clock, right here, Wednesday night hour of power. Okay, remember all the announcements. They're going to sing a song, and then they're going to dismiss you. God bless. See you tonight.